Welcome to a brand new edition of Problematic Women. I'm Virginia Allen. And I'm Kelsey Bowler. Kelsey, it's great to have you back today. Lauren is traveling for a documentary shoot this week, so Kelsey is here to kick off the first episode of Women's History Month with me. So Kelsey, since it is the first episode of Women's History Month, I wanted to start by asking you, who is one woman who you have personally really been influenced by? This could be someone from the past or who's still alive today. Well, this has become a reoccurring theme on Problematic Women. Uh, Those loyal listeners will not be surprised to hear me say Sue Ellen Browder, the author (laughs) of Subverted, How I Helped the Sexual Revolution Hijack the Women's Movement. And, you know, the reason I am just such a fan of her is because she really has influenced the culture. She is someone who... Uh, you know, admits to getting caught up in a lot of the propaganda and lies of the feminist movement and then came out on the other side, became a very devoted Catholic and came clean in this book about the lies she spread on behalf of the feminist movement in hopes that she can help younger generations of women see the truth about what feminism really meant throughout history and can mean today. Of course, that has nothing to do with abortion and victimhood that we constantly hear from the left today. Her message is really empowering. It is pro-women. It is pro-family. It is pro-parenthood. I am such a fan. She has influenced me personally, having had the honor to meet her. And so if, if you have not read her book, Subverted, How I Help the sexual revolution hijacked the women's movement. Highly encourage you to go pick it up. Buy it for a young conservative woman <laughs> to read or check out our Daily Signal documentary featuring Sue Ellen Browder. We had such an incredible time getting to know her and documenting her really powerful transformation. So she certainly has had an influence on me both personally and professionally. Yeah, Lauren was the first one who turned me on to Sue Ellen Browder in the midst of you all working on that documentary. You guys did such a good job. And it was so fun just to hear right from Sue Ellen Browder about her life and what she experienced and walked through and like you said, kind of that transformation of her changing her ideas and opinions. Uh, Really, really excellent documentary. We'll link it in the show notes today. But Yes, a, a super She's a former woman. cosmopolitan writer, I should note. So she really was in the thick of the feminist lies and she came out on the other side. Um, such a fascinating story. Yeah, well, and I love that all during Women's History Month, we get to highlight and talk about women like Sue Ellen Browder and the amazing impact that they have had. We're going to be highlighting on this show throughout the month of March, four different prominent conservative female leaders. And today we are kicking off Women's History Month with Senator Marsha Blackburn. She breaks down what you need to know about the Equality Act and how it would negatively impact women and girls if it does pass in the Senate. Plus, Kelsey talks with Alliance Defending Freedom attorney Christiana Holcomb and track athlete Alana Smith about an important update in their court battle to protect women's sports from biological men. And of course, as always, we will be crowning our problematic woman of the week. 
super strong lineup today. So each week on Problematic Women, we sort through the news to find these stories that are of particular interest to conservative-leaning or problematic women, those whose views and opinions are often excluded by those on the so-called feminist left. So if you are a problematic woman, or maybe you're just someone who supports strong, independent women, please consider supporting us by leaving a review or rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen, and definitely encourage others to subscribe. It makes a huge difference and helps us continue to do exactly what we're doing and spread the show to even more listeners. All right, let's get to it. We have a great show for you all today. I am joined by Tennessee Senator Marsha Blackburn. Senator, welcome to the show. It's good to be with you. Thank you. Oh, it's great to have you back on. We are so excited to kick off our conversation series for Women's History Month with you. This is a great month to celebrate women, and we're so excited that you're our first guest doing so on our month-long series for Problematic Women. And, you know, there are, there are so many issues that are on women's minds right now, but I know one that is certainly on my mind, and I think the mind of many Americans is that of the Equality Act. So I would love to begin by just talking a little bit about this piece of legislation and why it is so concerning. It did pass in the House last week. And you know, like so many bills, it has a really great name. It sounds really nice, but it is quite problematic. Could you just begin by sharing some of your concerns about the Equality Act? Oh, absolutely. And thank you so much for having me with you. I really appreciate it. And for me and many women who have been trailblazers in their careers, people that are friends of mine, and whether they have been in education or medicine or law or health care or financial services. I'm hearing from friends who have now heard about this. They started out thinking, well, that sounds like a good thing. Everybody ought to be treated just the same. And then they started going, hey, wait a minute. And it's been interesting to hear from my friends who have been the trailblazers who have been trying to break barriers all their professional lives. And get that seat at the table, and then to hear about this. Now, I I would start with the concerns that are there over young girls, and primarily when you're looking at different attainment areas for children as they look at going to college and getting scholarships, when you're looking at sports and, and different fields, you know, usually you have a a superior classification for men and then a superior classification for women. And uh, young people have kind of based their career on this. And then to take away um, that ability um, to be noted as competing female or male is something that is concerned. And especially in the area of sports, I think there's been a lot of conversation around that. And of course, it ties into the executive order that President Biden did. Likewise, when you look at other uh, areas where women have worked so hard over the past decades to break barriers, to give girls and women a level playing field, 
And then to see that pulled away is something that is tremendously disappointing. It is so disappointing. It's, it's truly really discouraging and it's nonsensical. Uh, I certainly never thought that we would be at this place having this debate, but here we are. Were you surprised when you saw this piece of legislation pass in the House? There are not many things right now that are surprising me with this administration. I, I, I do believe that they made a tremendous number of promises to the far left, to that radical fringe. And these things that strip away the identity or uniqueness of individuals, of communities, of different states trying to get the same, you know, one size fits all on everything. And that is not what people are looking for right now. And quite interestingly, I've, I've talked to so many women, uh, some who said, well, you know, I didn't vote in the presidential. I wasn't comfortable with Biden or I didn't like President Trump's mannerisms or some who ended up voting for Joe Biden because they thought as president he would be a moderate. And he had said his focus was to seek unity. And what they're now realizing is that to him and to the left, unity is not having robust, respectful political debate. Unity is you submit to our way of doing things and you conform to what we are going to say and do. And they're going, no, 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 no. That's not, that's not what I wanted. I think there is... Uh, among women, and especially suburban women right now, there's a tremendous amount of buyer's remorse. And looking at some of these issues, whether it is school choice, uh, trying to get children back to school, safety in communities, and the way not addressing rioting in different cities, not addressing uh, the issues at the southern border, the uptick that they are seeing um, related to gangs that are into human trafficking, sex trafficking, drug trafficking. Uh, This is not playing well with America's women right now. I know you are on the forefront of so many of those issues and so many Americans are looking to the Senate right now to see for a number of of these policies, what's going to happen. So as the Equality Act moves to the Senate, what do you think we can expect to see? I I think that what you will see is uh, it will be slowed down tremendously, and it may be something that does not move forward, uh, just as in the past when they have tried to move forward pieces of legislation uh, such as this. And I also think it speaks to the reason that we need more good, solid, conservative women in elective office who are going to stand up and speak out against this. What role does the filibuster play in in this debate and other same such debates with the Senate being that 50-50 split? Yeah, and uh, the filibuster is important because that 60-vote rule keeps a lot of bad things from moving to the floor. And while it is frustrating sometimes when you can't get legislation you want to move forward, there is a tremendous amount of respect for the filibuster because it does 
um, require you to hit that margin to move forward, to have that debate as to whether or not this is something that is going to be worthy of the Senate's time to take it up. Well, I know you're focused on so many critical issues right now. We've talked about some of them already. Mm-hmm. But what are those issues right now that, that keep you awake at night, that you're really focused and targeted on? I would start right off the top with freedom of speech. Uh, this is uh, paramount, and I'm hearing about it um, regularly from people. They want to make certain that big tech is reined in. Uh, the cancel culture is astounding to to people. They they cannot believe that this is happening. That their children who are in college cannot even express a dissenting view, and that they have professors that are saying it is this way and there is no alternative, there is no point counterpoint. This is the only approach. And just as I would always tell my children, they were that there are always two sides to every story. To every issue, there is a point and a counterpoint. And this nation and our freedom has been very well served by robust, respectful, bipartisan debate. And that is how you arrive at consensus. And that is what keeps this nation strong, is that you can agree to disagree. And people are really unsettled by this. I have friends who, they have children who are, you know, uh, preteens, And they're trying to keep them off of phones, off of sending emails, because they're trying to get into schools. And they're thinking, oh, my goodness. And then they're thinking with high schoolers, what's going to happen to try to get them into a college? And then uh, kids that are coming out of college, young adults are saying, oh, my gosh, you know, What if there is something on social media that keeps me from having a job? Likewise, I've talked to people who are young adults who say, you know, I I just I'm I'm getting to the point and I'm so afraid to say anything or to put anything online or respond to anything because I don't want to lose my job. Mm. Now, that is one of these uh, 21st century problems first world problems, if you will, that is causing not only fear, but a lot of anxiety and in some cases, panic with people. And people no longer feel that they can even have a discussion with people with whom they work, that they can get to know them and to know a little bit about what's important them because they're fearful of what will happen if they ask a question. And if they forget, uh, they're afraid if they cross the line then and say something and someone says, oh, you must be um, a Republican. You must be a conservative. You must have been a Trump voter, uh, that it's something that's going to bring a degree of ostracizing toward that person. Yeah, it certainly is 
a really challenging time in history as so many individuals try to navigate things like cancel culture. I would love for uh, for you to share a little bit of your own story in to conservatism as we celebrate Women's History Month. Uh, what was what was your journey into saying I I am a strong conservative woman? I had great role models that were strong conservative women, and that is foundational to who you become and uh, what you believe. And my grandmother was quite a trailblazer in her own right and was really fun to listen to and did things that were not ordinary for women of her of her era. Uh, and having a mother who was very independent minded, being encouraged by teachers and then professors who were very independent minded. It showed me that there was something beyond what I was able to experience at that point in time. And when I was in college, I sold books door to door to work my way through school. And I was the first female to go out and do this and then helped this company establish a women's division and open that door for more women so they could learn how to run their own business. And I'm still very given to that. And we have chuckled so many times. Um, my college newspaper had done an article after the first summer that I was out selling books. And it was all about breaking gender barriers. And I uh, said, you know, since I was 19 years old, I've been trying to push aside barriers that do not allow women to have equal opportunity with guys. And it is so important to realize that we all should be doing that. We should be pulling up people behind us. But, you know, as you uh, see women, as you are encouraged, as you're surrounded by women who are not afraid to speak up and say, I'm a conservative and this is why. That is a form of encouragement to you to be able to do likewise. And quite honestly, conservative women do things differently than women who are on the left. And uh, that's what my book that was released back in the fall is all about, The Mind of a Conservative Woman, and how the left is very frustrated that conservative women will not submit to a, an agenda, a very prescriptive agenda for how they think that women should live their lives. And I've always chuckled that the life of Julia, which was a Barack Obama campaign creation, uh, shows what the liberals would like to see uh, happen, how they would like to see women live their lives with the government in charge of every facet. But for me, going through that pathway of having those uh, people that were there to mentor, to show how to do it with a lot of grace, um, not being pushy, uh, not being somebody who's going to go out and conduct a protest, um, but knowing that there was the, the underpinning of the Constitution that says equal is equal, mm. whether you're talking about equal opportunity, equal justice, equal access, and that that is for 
everyone, then if you believe the words of that, then you know that equal treatment, equal opportunity, equal access, equal justice is to be there for every American citizen. Absolutely. Senator, before we let you go, what is one piece of advice that you wish you could go back and share with your your younger self who is just starting your career, just kind of entering uh, the world of business, the world of politics? I would say don't hesitate to be bold and to be uh, to look for the opportunity to take a risk. And when you take that risk, accept responsibility because there's going to be a reward at the end of all that hard work. Excellent. Senator, thank you so much for your time. We so appreciate you joining us. I'm delighted to join you. Thank you. Stay tuned because in just a moment, Kelsey talks with Alliance Defending Freedom attorney Christiana Holcomb and track athlete Alana Smith about their court battle to protect women's sports from biological men. But first, I have a question for you all. Are you following The Daily Signal and the Heritage Foundation on Twitter? If not, go ahead and pull out your phone and hit that follow button because all during the month of March, the Heritage Foundation is going to be posting content honoring the impact and the legacy of a unique conservative female leader every single day as we celebrate Women's History Month. So let's take a moment to hear from the woman that Heritage honored on Monday, Casey James. In a recent Heritage Twitter video, Mrs. James breaks down one of the most important issues that's facing America today, and that's the battle for election integrity. So let's just take a quick listen to what Mrs. James had to say. Growing up as a black teen during the 1960s, I knew the tremendous sacrifices that my relatives endured to secure the right to vote. Voting is one of the most sacred rights that we as Americans have. But today, there are serious concerns about the fairness and accuracy of our elections, and few people trust the process anymore. Yet, a bill currently in Congress known as H.R. 1, ironically called the For the People Act, would only make things worse. It would create a federal takeover of elections and make it easier for fraud and abuse to occur. It would do the exact opposite of creating trust in our elections. To catch more of this kind of content throughout March and beyond, go ahead and follow the Heritage Foundation and the Daily Signal on Twitter. And those handles are at Heritage and at Daily Signal. Okay, now stay tuned for Kelsey's conversation with attorney Holcomb and athlete Alana Smith. Alana Smith is a high school track athlete from Connecticut who has been forced to compete against biological males who identify as women. In her state, two biological male athletes have won 15 women's track championship titles, leaving Alana and other girls robbed of medals, athletic opportunities, and potential college scholarships. She and two other female high school track competitors are bravely standing up for fairness in women's sports by filing a federal lawsuit challenging the Connecticut policy that's been allowing transgender students to compete in girls' athletic events. They are being represented by our friends over at the Christian legal nonprofit, Alliance Defending Freedom. 
The Trump administration supported the girls' lawsuit, which sought to protect fairness in women's sports. But just last week, the Justice Department and the Education Department's Office for Civil Rights under the Biden administration withdrew their support for the case ahead of a hearing that was scheduled for last Friday on a motion to dismiss the lawsuit. So today, we are joined by both Alana and Christiana Holcomb, legal counsel for Alliance Defending Freedom, to talk about this case. Christiana, it's great to have you here today. I want to start by asking you what it means that the Biden administration withdrew government support from this lawsuit. Well, I think it's deeply concerning, and it sends a message to young women, not just in our case, not just to Alana, Selena, and Chelsea, but to young women across the country, that their opportunities don't matter to this administration. Um, Title IX is really clear that young female athletes should have equal athletic opportunities with biological males, and that means ensuring that we protect the female category so that young women like Alana have a chance to be on the podium, to medal, And as you mentioned earlier, to compete for those college scholarships, which can really make or break their opportunity to attend college and pursue future careers. And for those of us who are not lawyers like yourself, um, tell us how last Friday's hearing went in light of the Biden administration pulling its support. So the lawsuit is still ongoing despite the administration no longer backing it, correct? That's exactly right. So this was a politically motivated reversal by the Biden administration to decide they were no longer going to stand with female athletes and instead side with with radical activists who are pushing this gender identity ideology. But as you mentioned on Friday, we did have a hearing on a motion to dismiss. And what that means is the school districts in Connecticut and the State Athletic Association actually asked the federal court to dismiss the case outright and and put an end to it. Um, Of course, Alliance Defending Freedom Attorneys were pushing back, saying, no, absolutely, this litigation must move forward. There is a clear Title IX violation here, and we want to preserve fairness in a level playing field for not just our clients, but other female athletes across the state. So the hearing went well. The judge kept his cards very close to the vest. He only asked a handful of questions of the advocates during the approximately two-hour hearing, So we're going to have to wait and see what the written decision looks like, and we expect to receive that within the next two to three weeks. And I have to say, this story hits home for me because I grew up in Connecticut playing sports year-round, all different sports, soccer, lacrosse, gymnastics, and I can only imagine being forced to compete with and against uh, biological males. This, you know, this threat to women's sports is no longer theoretical. It's happening. Uh, girls in all different grade levels are already being forced to uh, compete against biological males. And Alana, you are one of them. So thank you so much for joining us today. Can you tell us about your experience being forced to compete against athletes of the opposite biological sex from you? It's been really disappointing because I train six days a week, two and a half hours a day, just to shave off like hundredths of a second and just seconds off of my time. And to go to the line and know that I, what spot I'm already going to get or that I'm not going to get the spot that I deserve. Like for example, at 
the New England meet my freshman year, I ran the 200 and I placed third because one of the biological males got first place. So that bumped me from getting runner up down to third place. And a lot of people will say, oh, just run faster. But I'm obviously an elite athlete because I won the 400 meter at the New England as a freshman. And it's just really disappointing that people don't realize how unfair the situation really is. And how is this impacting you both short and long term? Are you worried that college scholarships or opportunities to compete at that level could be erased? It does make it a lot harder because, for example, like to make it to states and the regional meets, it's only like the top six or the top eight. So it's really important to get those spots. But like my freshman year, when those two biological males were taking up the two spots to go to those meets, I felt really bad for the biological females that weren't able to make it because they weren't able to compete at a more advanced level and be seen by college coaches. Christiana, I want to ask you about some polling that I've seen on this issue. Um, there's two polls I, I've seen at this point by Rasmussen um, that say the majority of Americans actually oppose these policies that allow biological boys and men to compete in girls and women's sports. The media, however, will have you think otherwise, uh, that if you are a parent or student or athlete who opposes these policies, you must be in the minority because, uh, you know, the those who are in favor of transgender athletes competing um in girls and women's sports are very, very vocal. What have you gathered about where the public stands on this issue? Well, I think you're exactly right that the vast majority of the American public recognizes that it is fundamentally unfair to force young female athletes to compete against biological males in their sports and frankly be sidelined in the sports that they love. You know, in addition to the polls that you mentioned, there was polling done over the course of last summer and again into the fall that indicated that upwards of 80 percent of the American public agree that this is not fair. So I think it goes to show <laughs> there is still common sense with the American people and the Biden administration is just completely out of touch with pushing these radical policies that are not just anti-woman, but anti-science and fail to recognize the real physical differences between men and women, boys and girls, and really the, the reason that we have women's sports as a separate category in the first place, which again is to ensure that young women like Alana have the opportunity to be on the podium, earn those medals and those, those scholarship opportunities. And Alana, I'm curious to see what your experience on that front has been like on the ground, because I know from growing up there, Connecticut is not a conservative state, but are you seeing a lot of uh, your fellow athletes and parents and other community members rally behind you to support you taking a stand or have you faced a lot of backlash? A lot of my friends and my family and my teammates support what I'm doing and think that it's the right thing. And the only backlash and hate that I've really gotten is from social media. So no one has ever really come up to me and said it to my face. They'll just say it um, behind the screen. That's interesting. And I wonder how much the media's framing of this issue plays a role because I want to read one, you know, example of how NBC covered the Biden administration withdrawing support. 
Uh, They said, quote, the Trump administration had supported the Connecticut lawsuit, which sought to ban transgender athletes from participating in girls in high school sports. And and certainly, uh, you know, this this lawsuit would have that effect. But, you know, what I've seen in those advocating for your position on it is it's it's not about the transgender athletes. We you know, we all want them to be able uh, to participate in sports, but the the issue and what you are fighting for is the protection of girls and women's sports. So imagine if this, you know, coverage instead of saying this lawsuit seeks to ban transgender athletes, you know, what about saying the truth about it, which is it seeks to protect fairness in girls and women's sports. I mean, either of you could take this question: How do you push back against this? unfair framing on this issue in the way the media covers it. Well, I think one thing I would say is we absolutely think there's a place for everyone to compete in sports. The real question is where is it most fair? And we know that because biological males generally have a 10 to 40% athletic advantage over comparably fit and trained females, you know, depending on sport, that's the reason that we have women's sports as a separate category. So You know, this idea that we're trying to prevent anyone from competing is simply not the case. It's just a question of where is it most fair for them to compete. Right. And we also heard former President Trump taking aim at this issue in a CPAC speech over the weekend saying in reference to the very unequal Equality Act, quote, if this does not change women's sports as we know it will die. Uh, Christiana, I want to ask, is the former president exaggerating or is this really what we're up against? It's not an exaggeration at all to say that if policies like what we see in Connecticut proliferate, if the so-called Equality Act were to pass, we absolutely would be facing the beginning of the end of women's sports as a separate category. Keep in mind, it only takes one biological male athlete to swipe the championship title. It only takes three males to swipe the podium entirely. And, you know, it's, it's not going to be long before female athletes, frankly, would no longer have an incentive to compete in their own sports because they know that they can't win. They know the playing field is not fair and that there are inherent physical advantages that biological males have that female athletes simply cannot overcome. Alana, I want to wrap up this conversation with a question for you about, um, you know, whether or not you're hopeful for women's sports in the long term. And do you think this stand that you're taking now will make a difference in the long term in protecting your ability and other girls' abilities to compete? I do think that taking a stand was the right thing to do. And I was hoping that with me and Chelsea and Selena standing up, more girls will start to stand up and realize how serious this issue is. Because if we don't make a change, then there may no longer be women's sports. And I know that I love to play sports. And it's like where I meet all my friends and my family. So I just hope people realize that um, they should stand up and help to make a difference because we obviously want women's sports to continue to be a thing. Absolutely. And I can say as someone who follows and covers this issue very closely. You are far from alone. Uh, This is happening all across the country where girls and women are being forced to compete with and against 
biological boys and men. Um, this is a huge issue. Unfortunately, um, we've seen recent actions from the Biden administration that are elevating this threat. So we are very thankful for you taking this brave stand um, in support of fairness in women's sports. Christiana, uh, we love and support the work that Alliance Defending Freedom is doing on this issue. Uh, for those listening who might want to learn more about Alana or any of the cases you're representing, how can they do that? Well, your listeners are welcome to visit adflegal.org where they can learn more about Alana's case. Well, thank you both so much. It was great having uh, you on Problematic Women today. Alana, certainly you sound like a problematic woman yourself. <laughs> In a good way, I promise. (laughs) Do you have an interest in public policy? Do you want to hear some of the biggest names in American politics speak? The Heritage Foundation hosts webinars called Heritage Events Live. These webinars are free and open to the public. To find the latest webinars and register, visit heritage.org slash events. Now it is that time, once again, time to crown our Problematic Woman of the Week. And the crown goes to... Well, Virginia, this week it is crowns, plural. <laughs> they go to Selena Soul, Alana Smith, Chelsea Mitchell, and Ashley Nicoletti. These are the four female track athletes who are fighting to protect women's sports in Connecticut. Well, and Kelsey, of course, you just had that excellent conversation with attorney Christiana Holcomb and Alana Smith about this case, this battle in Connecticut to really stand up and protect and fight for the future of women's sports. But you have been covering this story, Kelsey, for a long time, a number of years. You've followed these young women's stories. You've followed this court battle. Uh, So I want to ask you, to share a little bit of, of your journey of, of doing that, of following these women. In 2019, you produced a documentary for the Daily Signal about Selena Soul. Could you share a little bit of Selena's story for those who might not be familiar? Um, and then just a little bit about this journey of, of following these women and being so impacted personally by their stories. Yeah, so Selena Soul uh, is an athlete from Connecticut who um, has a similar story to Alana, who we just heard from uh, just a couple years earlier. She was forced to compete in track against two biological male athletes who identify as uh, women. And, uh, you know, this was one of the first stories uh, of female athletes uh, being stripped of their titles uh, because biological males were beating them out at their own sports. Um, And since then, you know, these stories have only become more and more common. Um, Of course, you know, we have the lawsuit in Connecticut, which Selena very bravely was the first athlete to go public and put her face on this issue. I give her so much credit for doing that. Um, We had the privilege of being one of the first news organizations at the Daily Signal to sit down and uh, document her story, get to know her, understand the implications of being forced to uh, compete in track against biological male athletes. Um, we made the decision not to 
include those athletes' pictures or faces or names in that video because we wanted this story to be about Selena and her story and how these policies impact her. Uh, we know a lot of the transgender athletes get a lot of these, uh, you know, nice media coverage uh, from much larger media organizations, but nobody had really heard from the female athletes that were losing to the transgender athletes. I will say, again, since then, these stories have only become more common, and the visuals are very powerful of seeing biological male athletes running on a track against biological female athletes. You know, they identify as women, but physically, their their bodies, you know, just you, you can see how much stronger uh, their muscle memory is and, you know, how little opportunity there is for biological women to compete, you know, against that biological reality. It's just very unfair from the beginning and it has become such a serious issue. You know, women throughout history fought so hard for the ability to compete on an even playing field um, with men in our own sports. And now those opportunities are being stripped away. Um, and, you know, again, I, it's just what's crazy to me is just over the past couple of years, this was, you know, kind of a quiet story. I would say those on, you know, the far left kind of accused us of maybe fear mongering or exaggerating the threat that, you know, Selena's story posed to women's sports. Uh, but we've seen very clearly at this point, um, women across the country uh, are, their opportunities uh, to compete in athletics is very seriously being threatened, if not already being taken away. And like you said, Selena was the first woman who really began uh, in Connecticut to speak out and to say, wait a second, I'm losing opportunities to biological men. And then it didn't take long for these other female athletes, Alana, Chelsea, and Ashley, to also experience the same thing. All four of these women have lost honors, medals, chances to compete at elite levels because they were forced to run in track against biological men. And of course, uh, <laughs> like you say, the left sort of says, well, you know, these are, you know, just a handful of cases. And but we've seen how quickly uh, this trend continues. And if if it's not stopped there, uh, there's no reason to believe that, you know, it, it won't just be perpetuated. Uh, and essentially, you know, we'll see women's sports just shrink smaller and smaller and smaller. So, so impressed. Yeah, I want to point out that this doesn't necessarily apply in a sport like track. But for me, as the mother of a daughter who's, you know, too young to play sports right now, but in a matter of years, will begin doing that. Um, there's a very serious safety component that we need to raise when discussing these policies. Um, I, I genuinely fear the day my daughter, you know, if she wants to uh, play soccer or field hockey or lacrosse, which, you know, are uh, contact sports to an ex extent, I fear for her being forced to compete against biological male athletes that are just physically and biologically 
made differently than women. I, you know, and I, I mentioned this during our interview, uh, the vast majority of Americans share these concerns about fairness and safety. The media will have you think otherwise, but it is so important for parents across the country to know you are not alone in having concerns about policies that strip away fairness and safety in women's sports. You know, we do need voices at the local level on this issue, and we need voices at the national level, you know, standing up for women and, you know, pushing back on, you know, the the many um, attempts we see by the Biden administration to strip women of fairness and safety in in their sports. Uh, so it's really important to take a stand, and it's important to know that you are not alone in opposing these policies. The vast majority of Americans agree. So, so true. Thank you, Kelsey. And a final huge congratulations to Selena, Alana, Chelsea, and Ashley for being crowned our Problematic Woman of the Week. All right. Well, that's going to be it for this week's edition of Problematic Women. Join us next Thursday morning for a brand new edition. And in the meantime, please subscribe and share. Conservatives need your support in the podcast world. And we would so appreciate a five-star review on Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen. It makes such a huge difference. Have a great week. Problematic Women is brought to you by more than half a million members of the Heritage Foundation. It is a product of The Daily Signal, produced by Lauren Evans and Virginia Allen. Special thanks to our editor-in-chief, Katrina Trinko. We produce Problematic Women in remembrance of our dear friend and former co-host, Bree 